Milwaukee Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Hey, everybody. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, 60 minutes on ice as we talk hockey right till 1 o'clock. Happy lunch hour, everybody. Let's get this going. We've got uh, Eric Tehachuk coming on uh, about 1230. We'll talk a little bit about what now for the Golden Knights of Las Vegas and a little bit of a tee up on what's happening tonight with Tampa Bay and uh, and the New York Islanders. First, uh, we had lots of news yesterday. Let's uh, review some of it and talk to Lou. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Peter, before we get to uh, what happened in Calgary yesterday, mm-hmm. should get your thoughts on the Washington Capitals. We had talked about it quite a bit. It sure looked like they were, you know, the team to hire Peter Lavaliette, and uh, they go with him, the veteran, and they certainly do pay him. Uh, clearly ownership thinks they've got some more championships left with their core. Well, they still have an outstanding core even this year when they lost Nicholas Backstrom during the course of these playoffs. I thought it was a major, major setback for them. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Brian McClellan, the GM, had a tough decision to make, and they couldn't come to terms a couple of years ago with Barry Trotz. We don't know the inner workings of how that worked out. We do know how things have worked out for Barry and the New York Islanders who play Tampa tonight in game number five, trying to keep their hopes alive. And evidently the Todd Reardon experiment didn't quite work out the way that they would have liked. So, you know, in a lot of cases, you had a great group of people, whether it was Peter Laviolette or Gerard Gallant and, Others who were on the precipice and available, and obviously Mr. McClellan feels like, you know, it was time to go back to someone with a great winning pedigree and a Stanley Cup and appearances and lots of, you know, playoffs under his belt. So he goes to Peter Laviolette, who really, Kelly, when you take a look at his history, um, might you say that, and you might say this about all coaching situations, but, you know, for the, for, you know, Peter strikes me very much and always has, and I don't know him incredibly well, even though I've been around him a lot, you know, he's, he's a pretty all business type coach and who's done a great job. And he's generally done a great job when he's taken over and, you know, puts his stamp on it. So they needed some new guidance. They went to an experienced well and not surprised, and we'll see how it goes. And Logan, you and I were talking before we got on the air, and I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty. It's very easy for us to sit here and go, wow, you should have done this. But really, with the money they've paid out and had to come up with, they probably just would have been better off just after the Stanley Cup win, just getting Barry Trotz a new extended deal to what he was looking for. Yeah, it, it does seem like a, a weird decision in hindsight to let go of an experienced coach with a good track record and, and Barry Trotz and, you know, now see him be successful with another team like the New York Islanders who are, you know, in tough tonight against Tampa Bay. But it just kind of feels like a misstep in the last two years. And that's, you know, with all due respect to, to Todd Reardon and the job that he, that he did there, I mean, coming off a Stanley Cup title here for Washington, it, it just seems like a, a weird decision to have let Barry Trotz go and now be in the same position that you were, you know, two years ago when you did have him. So I, I don't know, Lou, what you make of that. It just seemed like a kind of a, a weird decision from the start of it. 
Well, if memory, gents, serves me correctly, and Mr. Dehachik, who's all over these things in earnest, will have his own take at the bottom of the hour. But if my memory serves me correctly, was there not trouble in the water long before those playoffs of 2018 even occurred? I I remember that things looked like they were going to go sideways, regardless of how things played themselves out. Now, you know, in terms of thinking about it from that standpoint, that that's how my memory serves me correctly. I don't remember it being, well, they won the Stanley Cup and now there's this great impasse. But, you know, at the bottom of the hour, um, we'll see if, if my memory is not failing me. And I do. I just I just remember, not vividly, but remember that there seemed to be, like I said, two sides where there were already reports going in as to, like, why isn't this done already? You know, why haven't they extended Barry Trotz? Now, you know, when push came to shove, there was always a chance to fix it. But in a lot of situations, guess what? When you have philosophical differences and people aren't on the same page and a line has been crossed. And, you know, Kelly, I think for any of us who have been around for any length of time in a lot of different situations, I mean, those things can happen. And, and that doesn't mean that, you know, I necessarily look at either side and go, well, how could you let that happen? Those things just happen sometimes. And, you know, even in the flame situation, you know, you know, people always think that these are one-sided scenarios, meaning, you know, is the team going to bring somebody back? Well, guess what? Yeah, it takes the two other tango, individual, right? like, yes. So yeah. I just, you know, we'll, we'll check in with Eric and get his take on it at the bottom of the hour. And, and I, I do. I just, I don't remember that one being as simple as, they won the cup. How do you not extend them? I think there was trouble there brewing before they won a Stanley Cup. And yesterday, about uh, oh, 10 to 10, we got the uh, press release from the Calgary Flames that they have uh, taken the interim label off of Jeff Ward. He will be the uh, Flames head coach. Um, you wanted this from, from the get-go. Um, I did. He, he took over under very strange circumstances, and it got stranger <laughs> as we all had to go through this COVID-19 thing. And I, I, for me, I, I like the stability. I, I, I always think all these press conferences you have and, well, oh, this is going to be different. I, I think he's the devil you know, and he is maybe that he's got a foot in both. He, he can identify with the young players, understands them, but he also has a, a solid grasp on, on just the, the tactical point of, of hockey when it comes to the professional level. Kelly, can I ask you both a question? And, um, you know, Peter Klein and I got into it, and I didn't have a chance to get Logan's take on it. Uh, And that is, why do you think there is always such a strong vibe in these kind of situations to put so much emphasis on that position as to why things either work well or don't? So, you know, you guys get a chance to see it all the time. I don't in terms of the feedback and the text line. But my guess is it was very mixed um, in terms of there always just seems to be a sentiment as to if you have the right coach, 
everything's going to work itself out. Why, why do you why do you think there's not more onus sometimes on the people that actually play the games? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I was thinking about this too because you see it in all all levels of professional you sports. You see it in. And you certainly see it in the NBA, and uh, NFL is notorious for it. And I've always kind of wondered, even with managers, it's like either you have the players, you like you fill up a line cart, like like how how much different is one guy from the other? And and you're right. It and it's is it maybe just they set a tone, they set a tone of how they want the team to play, and and then the players kind of you know fill in the gaps as it were. Because it, it doesn't matter. You could you can get Scotty Bowman into a team that just does not have the players, and they're not going to make them win, right? They can do some things or some tricks they can do, but it just it really is up to the players. They're the ones on the ice. They're the ones that are together as on the planes and and together in the dressing room. And it's funny, Logan. You do, you don't sometimes the uh, you know the head coach. Not sometimes. More often than not, the head coach is the scapegoat for all this stuff. I think it's the easy answer. I think it's the easy out for a lot of people. I think, and I think sometimes I think, especially from fan bases and even from, you know, casual observers, I think it's easier for fans and people like that to get more attached to players and personalities on the team than it is for them to grasp onto a coach, especially unfortunately in a market like Calgary here where, you know, unfortunately the, the coaching carousel is kind of gone, you know, year by year or sometimes, you know, a year or two, there's not much time for, you know, a coach to sometimes, you know, I don't know what the right word Make is. Make his mark is yeah, what you mean, right? Exactly, like yeah, set, you know, set so, his tone and, yeah, and set the, the culture. You know how quickly it can change. So I, I think honestly, Peter, I think that I, I think it's easy for, you know, someone to look at the coach and say, well, that's, you know, that guy's the problem rather than, you know, well, it can't be my favorite player or that player. I like him. I've, you know, he's been around for a couple of years. I think it's the easy uh, way for people to, to look for something wrong and something to change. Yeah. You know what, Logan? And, and I think that's an awesome answer. And I, it's, I, I always find your perspective really interesting just because um, you come at it maybe from a different place, certainly from a different place, of experience and and from a different generation. And I always think on our show, on the segment, it's really important to involve everybody and and get everyone's perspective. And I'd be the first to tell you that, you know, from my side, I guess I'm probably at this point of my life and of my career. And it's, again, I, I deal with these people on a regular basis and, you know, I get to watch them travel and I, I have a great feel for the preparation and the work that they do and the investment and how much they care. And, you know, even when I think about the end of the last two Flames seasons, you know, and I start right with the general manager, and everybody knows what I think of this general manager. I'm, I'm a massive fan and have been almost from the first day I met him because and one of the reasons is he is absolutely gutted when things go wrong. And, and to be honest, I want to see that because I think it gets better that way. I don't always see that sometimes from players and in certain cases, key guys. But, you know, the other place I take my cue from is the fact that when you've done this as long as I have, I have never once been around a coach yet, yet, 
that didn't say to me personally or in scrums or in other situations that the players, they win games, they lose games. And I just find it interesting why there just doesn't seem to be the same kind of accountability sometimes for the players that, and, and listen, do I understand? Is it easier to change one than, than all 20? And again, if I didn't think coaching was incredibly important, why do you think I feel the way I do about coaches? I think leadership is massive in how you set the direction for your team and who does it. And, and I've been so lucky because since 1984, I always talk about going to hockey school. Well, who do you think the primary teachers have been in the hockey school? It's been coaches. It's been GMs. It's been scouts. It's been a lifetime of in-hockey rink conversations, frankly, with people who are in the business. So, you know, I, I just I wanted to pose it today because, you know, we you guys all afternoon talked about everybody's sentiments. Should they have done this? Should they have done that? For me, in some ways, it was more about having the discussion of how we kind of arrive at that. And the other thing that we talked about, Kelly, if you didn't hear it yesterday, was just like you, I'm a big believer in this. In sports, in our businesses, in our life, if there's constant change all the time, that's just not a good thing. You know, that, that, that generally doesn't end up in a winning formula, does it? Not very often, and that's why, you know, the stability is important, but you, you, you kind of have to set it right, and, and that's why you've got, you know, the man at the top, uh, Brad Living, who, who, who sets the culture and ha- has put some stuff in place in the last few years. And I think Jeff Ward is just a just a byproduct of that in some ways, you know, to, to make it maybe a little too simple because it's obviously the man at the top sort of sets what's, what the culture is going to be, what the guys on the ice are going to do. And more importantly, what the staff off the ice is going to do, whether it's scouts, whether it's AGMs, that kind of stuff. So Brad sets that all up and stability is a big part of it, obviously. It it is. And, And I heard this on our station. I thought it was a great interview and I've already referred to it a week ago. And what I think is really, really important. So it's the question that I asked, unfortunately only one of the two principals got a chance to weigh in and Kelly and Logan, what I think is so important, you know, in terms of going forward is that those two gentlemen, you know, your head coach and your GM like are really on the same page, how they see things, how they see the importance, you know, how to change things, how to grow your group. Because, you know, at at the root cause, you know, general managers in many ways, like they get the coaches, the players, and now it's up to the coaches. But as I heard Brian Burke say, and I thought it was so crystal clear, is that, yes, the players make the biggest difference. And he even talked in his career about, hey, I've given some of my most winning coaches pretty good lineups. Um, But he also went on to say that the fact that they needed to be tied together. And so the biggest interesting point for me was, so it took them a while after the season. I knew that Brad, because it's who he is and it's why I respect him, would do his due diligence into getting to this place. But I asked Brad yesterday about having some more time 
being in the bubble where, you know, like there's not a whole lot of separation, seeing how everybody went about their business. So I asked him yesterday in particular about all the conversations that he and Jeff have had over the years, and especially maybe some of the hard ones, you know, do they feel more together than they ever have before? Um, I didn't necessarily learn a lot more about Jeff when you're speaking uh, specifically about, about, about him and ours relationship, but I think it confirmed a lot of things for me. Um, it allowed us, you know, I think we've, since Jeff's been here and, and, and sort of how I operate with coaches and players is a very open relationship, but it allowed us to spend a lot of time together, talk a lot about a lot of different things, not only our team, but, you know, just even get to know each other that much more. And, um, you know, to me, when you talk about alignment, I think we see the game very similarly. Um, you know, the need to communicate and how vital that is. Um, and I don't want to, sometimes that's taken the wrong way. I think Jeff has got a, an edge to him. I think there's just a real honesty to him. There's a real, um, you know, people, whether it be coaches, whether it be players, whether it be myself, he's going to shoot you very straight. He's going to tell you exactly what he believes, why he believes it. Um, and so there's no gray areas. And I think that's, I think that's a really important quality. There we go. So Blames that, GM yeah, uh, that, yesterday. That, yeah, that that told me, guys, that frankly, you know, there, I'm sure there was part of the process for both guys that it wasn't completely easy. Like, these aren't easy things. Sometimes you have to have hard conversations in order to truly know somebody. And, you know, that was my biggest takeaway from yesterday is, you know, I, I used this earlier today just in a conversation with a friend. And, Kelly, I won't swear because, you know, I don't do that. But I'll get as close as I, I do. And, and I always feel in many ways the best leaders, parents, coaches, are people that can give you the S word but don't make you feel like the S word. And that's all, as you know, you've been a boss for a long time. Those are hard places to get to. It, it requires a lot of finesse. It requires, it doesn't work the same with everyone. And, you know, my great takeaway of both those guys is just, I think they so value empowering people, getting to know people. And in the case of Jeff, that's what's really struck me is, you know, whether it's being a teacher and a forever coach, I do. And, and Kelly, where it all started for me with Jeff goes all the way back to that one post-game show, um, you know, early this season, when in our room he just said, hey, enough is enough. It's not about being nice. It's not about us all getting along. It's about having hard, honest, professional conversations and that for me you talk about certain moments that kind of win you over well right there that said to me a lot about Jeff and who he was and his makeup and what he thinks and uh, I'm just now more a big believer than ever there's a lot of great x and o's and I don't discount tactics they're, they're really important but when you can start to move the needle and get buy-in and get the message right 
that's when I think things really start to change. So that's, yeah. that's why I'm a big, big supporter of what I've seen so far. And guys, maybe I missed it because I was dealing with some other stuff yesterday, but do we, uh, do we have a sense of, of the assistant coaches and who's coming back and, and, and that sort of thing? Are we, are, are we close to that, Lou, or what do you think? Well, I, 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 Logan, um, you know, I, I heard Brad's interview with Pat yesterday. I know that you did. I listened, obviously, to both availabilities. Um, my guess is that there's some talk to be had, but there were a couple of statements from Jeff yesterday. I, I think I think he really likes his group. I, I I absolutely do. I think there's great synergy there. I think they respect one another. I think they like one another a lot. Um, I think they have a group that brings a bunch of different things to the table. So, you know, you, you never know because, you know, now Jeff is in a position where he might want to upgrade a certain spot potentially with maybe somebody from his past. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily guys foresee a lot of change. I don't know if you heard different or you thought different Logan. No, I, I didn't hear anything of the, the sort that, Really gave me that impression, and I, I think I'm on the same page. He wasn't campaigning for resumes or anything. He wasn't that no, blatant and about no. it or anything. No. And I think, Lou, you made the, the perfect point. It was one that I, I talked about yesterday with the guys is, you know, the only thing I could maybe see happening, and I didn't. this is just speculation. It's not anything I heard yesterday. Maybe Ray Edwards returns to a player development role and gives maybe there's an opportunity for Jeff to bring in somebody that, that he would like to have on his staff because this is his first chance at being a head coach and, you know, getting to make those decisions. So maybe that's something that happens. I don't know. Maybe they've had those conversations already. But I think for the most part, I think it it sounded like everything was going to be pretty status quo as far as that goes. It didn't sound like they were expecting any major changes. Well, I guess we'll find out together. And we'll, uh, as soon as we hear something, everyone will hear something. Lou, we're going to let you go. Uh, We've got Tehatcha coming up in a little bit, and we'll talk – We'll see. We might have a Stanley Cup final set tomorrow. Who knows? We'll, uh, we'll talk about I'm, that. Uh, we didn't even get to Dallas, and I'm still good on them. Uh, Kelly, you know the old thing that we talk about where when one team is better than the other for a certain stretch of time, you yeah. either better get enough done with it when you are and don't take in a lot of water when you're not. Tell me that that – Dallas Vegas series didn't have that written all over it. Yeah, Dallas is as uh, they they can take punches and hang in there and hang in there, and then when you least expect it, they're like a python; they'll just attack you. Something else. They've got something going on there. We'll talk about them a little bit uh, more tomorrow. Lou, have a great day. We'll talk tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Take care. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Week number one in the NFL is done. Coming up Thursday, it'll be time for week number two. Boomers football picks are back Thursday mornings. Uh, we get all the research. The guys, they just they scour, they find out all the analytics, or they maybe just go by feel. No matter what, they'll get you some great advice. Uh, sports select, pro line, over under, point spread, pools and props. They'll give you a scoop on all of them. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, here's the story uh, it's for fun, and it's so much fun when you play on, on a Sunday. You got your ticket there, you got the, you know, the app going to see what's happening. 
Bet on sports you love at sportselect.wclc.com. Get into the action, play pools, and you are the champion of the West. See the game list uh, at that same website. All right, we'll take a break and talk to Dehachek next about, well, the Washington Capitals have a coach. Vegas is out. Dallas moves on. And maybe we find out if Tampa can uh, make that final, final deal and get back to the Stanley Cup final. We'll do all that next right here on Hockey Central at noon. Made for the modern boss, the Nissan Murano finally lets you have it all. From a luxurious interior to available Bose premium sound and intelligent around view monitor that's like a built-in valet. Get it all when you finance a Nissan Murano from 0% for 60 months or get up to $6,000 cash purchase bonus on other select models. It's the all-in clear-out sales event only at Nissan.ca or your local dealer. Conditions apply. If you find yourself wondering things like, What happens if I get sick or injured and can't work? Then you're not alone. Book a check-in at rbcinsurance.com slash book to let us help you protect your paycheck with disability insurance. RBC Insurance. We'll help you get it. It's Smile Cookie Week at Tim Hortons. Every time you buy a cookie, 100% of proceeds go towards local charities like food banks and hospitals. Grab one now until September 20th and help spread smiles across your community at participating restaurants in Canada for a limited time. Hockey is more than just a game to Canadians. It unifies us as a country. Protect our people and our game by wearing Watson Gloves PPE. Canadian masks designed by Canadians for Canadians. Watson Gloves, Canadian-owned since 1918. Stay safe and game on. Your home for the most up-to-date news on your Calgary Flames is right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 4 p.m. weekdays on the drive home, the big show has your Calgary Flames roundtable. There's always something going on with the Flames. There is a ton to talk about when it comes to the Calgary Flames this offseason. Trades, drafts, signings, coaches, and more. Any changes that happen or maybe that should happen are discussed right here on the Flames roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Once-in-a-lifetime hail means a very special opportunity to to purchase a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. Choose from 42 options. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. Sportsnet 960 The Fan is Calgary Flames Radio. Sometimes work is like a multiple choice exam. If your job calls on you to dig near an underground power line, you have an important decision to make. Who will you contact first? A. Alberta One Call. B. 911. Or C. Your coworker's family to tell them there's been an injury. Choose wisely. Contact us before you contact a power line. Visit clickbeforeyoudig.com. A message. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon making way for the big show. Peter Klein has that after 1 o'clock. Let's go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dining service. With all safety precautions in place, Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. See them at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. He's our NHL insider, Eric DeHatchuk, and we were talking off the top with Lubo. Um, So the Washington Capitals uh, make the big uh, splashy coaching change as uh, Peter Laviolette will be uh, behind the bench for the Capitals. They had a big name. They paid him a lot of money. And then we thought, well, why wouldn't they just do that with Barry Trotz when they had a chance? But there's probably more to it as we have some revisionist history here. 
Well, yeah, th- that was a, a complicated uh, situation, and uh, and then Lou is right. Yeah, uh, like he he mentioned that there there was some 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 things percolating under the surface. So so what essentially what happened was okay. So Barry Trotz went into Washington and signed a four-year contract, and he replaced. Bruce Boudreaux, and the reason that they moved away from Boudreaux, even though he had an incredible regular season record, was because the Capitals couldn't win in the playoffs. So they had all these good teams, couldn't win in the playoffs, and they felt that they needed a change there uh, to to get over the top. And uh, so, you know, the, the problem, of course, was, you know, Barry Trotz went in there and had exceptional regular seasons again. They won the President's Trophy in 2016. They won the President's Trophy in 2017, both years. They lost in the second round to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, so Trotz was entering the final year of his contract going into that 2017-18 season. Normally, if you have confidence in a coach, you extend the contract there, even if it's only a couple of years, just so the coach is not coaching on, on the final year of his contract. The Capitals elected not to do that. So the message that they were sending was that they, you know, it was Stanley Cup or bust, or at least a better playoff showing than, than they had. So fast forward into the 2018 season, and if you remember, Washington was really slow out of the gate. I think they were like 10-9-1 or something like that at the quarter mark. And there was already talk then about a, a mid-season coaching replacement because the feeling was the heir apparent was on the bench already. That was was Todd Reardon. But they, they righted the ship, and they, they went on a really good run. I, I, don't, I think they like lost four the next 20 or something like that. And they, they ended up winning the division, but not – to the extent that they did before. So they were a 105-point team, and nobody was really talking about Washington as a Stanley Cup contender anymore. People were talking about how the window had closed and so on and so forth. And, and the, the overall feeling around the National Hockey League was if, if they didn't win and no one expected them to, that, that Barry Trotz would be out as a coach. So what happens? They get down 2 nothing to Columbus in the first round. Rumors about Trotz being fired surface again. They come back and they win that. They beat Pittsburgh. And then, if you remember, they had that dramatic series against Tampa. I think they were down 3-2, came back, won, got to the final against Vegas, won again. Suddenly, whoa, Stanley Cup champions. All of a sudden, they all, all seems to be sweetness and light. The problem was, again, um, there was a clause in Barry's original contract uh, where if he won the Stanley Cup, it would trigger automatically trigger an extension. So the Capitals wanted him to, to work on that on that uh, automatically triggered extension. They felt that he was a signed coach. And, of course, the, the coaching landscape had changed in terms of remuneration. That was all because of Mike Babcock. So Barry and his agent went to the Caps and asked for a five-year contract extension, and the Caps balked. They did not want to go that, and, and he was looking for a significant increase in, in, in salary. So officially what happened was Barry Trotz resigned. But I think that he felt that uh, that they hadn't shown a ton of confidence in him in the t- final 12 months of his of his contract, and they weren't showing a lot of confidence because they wanted him to work on this on this automatically triggered extension rather than reward him with uh, with a contract extension. So that 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 yeah. basically is what happened. And and your and your conclusion is right. So he wanted five years. Instead, they get two years of Todd Reardon. You know, not much happened there. And now they're paying a lot of money to Peter Laviolette for the next three years. So. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. But if they had just given Barry Trotz five years, then he would be entering year three. Three years left, you know, probably a little bit more. That I think he was, you know, four million was kind of the number that everybody was looking for because everyone knew they wouldn't get Babcock number. But that had to become kind of the new standard uh, uh, salary, four to five million actually. And um, 
So yeah, that, that probably turned out to, to be a mistake. They would have been better off uh, finding a way of, of keeping Barry Trotz for sure. And that tells me that with, with a high-profile uh, you know, coach hire like the Capitals make, they think they've got you know one, two, maybe three years of this core to get another Stanley Cup. They like they like the first one. They want another one, which is obvious. And and wherever Lavalette goes, he has a proven track record. It'll remain to be seen if he's got enough to get these guys over the, over the top one more time. Yeah, well, I agree with that, and, and and that was my take on it when I heard it. You know, it's horses for courses, right? So, you know, people were thinking, you know, was Peter Laviolette a good choice for Calgary? Didn't feel like it. Like, he is a guy that, um, very demanding, you know, and lots of coaches are in, in, in this day and age. And uh, and I think that um, the feeling is that, uh, you know, that most of the success that he's had in his coaching career has come early on, when he is a new voice. So so he'll go into Washington, and, and uh, you know, it'll be a new a new voice for Alex Ovechkin, a new voice for Evgeny Kuznetsov, a new voice for John Carlson, a new voice for for a lot of these core players, and and they are still really viable players. You know, Nick Backstrom looks like a still a good player. So so you're right. They they have what they believe is to be like a one to three year window to get the maximum out of these older players that they've got. You know, they, they, even the, the moves that they've made. Uh, at the deadline in the past years, they, they've all been you know win now moves, and, and that's uh, that's understandable and defensible. You know for for sure, if you're the 2018 Stanley Cup champions, you know you are you know pushing the chips in because you're trying to to repeat, and and then when that doesn't happen, you know you think you have a, a shot with the group that you've got. I thought, I, I mean, I thought Washington never really kind of got it going in that uh, in that sort of round robin that they played before the actual playoffs, and then you know they they just. They didn't really seem as all in as, yeah. as, as say, a team like Dallas. You know, like you look at there's Dallas a few and, teams uh, like that, Eric. Right? There's a few. Like St. Louis looked like that to be a little bit. Pittsburgh looked back to me that just like you know, this bubble thing's cool, but it's certainly not what we're used to. And if if you're not all dialed in, and they'll never, you know, they won't admit it, but it just it just seemed that way. It did, yeah. And there were a handful of times, you know, where you know where, where teams sort of meekly went away in an elimination game. And there were a handful of times when teams, you know, like ramped it up in an, in an elimination game. And that's what we saw with Dallas. And, you know, go back to the first round against Calgary. You know, like if Dallas hadn't been as all in, you know, there was a, a lot of games that were teetering there, right? The one where Alexiak scored late and they won, and then and they scored late again and won in overtime, and then they were down three nothing, and you could have, you know raised the white flag at that point and surrendered and, and said, we'll, we'll come back and get them next time. And at every one of those junctures, Dallas found another gear and another level. And, and so, and I think that has a lot to do with, uh, with Rick Bonus's uh, coaching style. And, and, you know, I think they took advantage a little bit of, uh, of, of, of a Colorado team that uh, was down to its third string goaltender to get past that round. But I was, I was impressed with how they played against uh, Vegas. I, 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 I think, like a lot of people, I, I felt Vegas was going to win that series, and um, and I saw a level of performance from Jamie Benn that we haven't seen since the days that he was, you know, competing for the NHL scoring title. And I thought that he, you know, as the captain of that team, really led the charge. And uh, you know, and then and and Hudobin has been exceptional in goal. I love the comparison that people are making, Tyler Sagan especially made it to Tim Thomas. You know, yeah. same kind of guy, sort of a little bit different, squat, uh, doesn't really look that athletic when you look at him, but but just making all of the saves. So they're, they're, they're a fun story to uh, uh, to report on because, uh, you know, like you, you had a sense 
that somebody was going to sort of navigate all of these strange currents in, in, in the current environment and, 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 and get to the Stanley Cup final unexpectedly. And, and for me, that team is Dallas. So that's the Stars. They will try and get their second Stanley Cup in franchise history. Uh, we'll see what happens between Tampa Bay and New York tonight. We'll have that for you at 6 o'clock. Right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, our NHL insiders, Eric Hatchuk here on Hockey Central. Uh, I guess we should talk about uh, the Vegas Golden Knights as they've, you know, it's their third year. They've had lots of playoff experience, and uh, each playoff has sort of uh, ended, you know, the same way. They they thought they had something, and I, I don't know. I mean, Eric, they they had certainly chances to win that game, and up 2 nothing. I thought they had it ready to go, but Dallas just, they just... They can take a punch after punch after punch, and just when you think you got them on the mat, then they come back. And the you know the the Golden Knights must be going like, what what did we have to do to win that series? Yeah, well, I do think you know like you know if you measure you know perform you know just run a play, I guess is the best way of putting it in in the series. You would say that Vegas had the run of play more so than than Dallas did. They were. You know, that, you know, but but that's not how you you measure the final score. I was, you know, uh, the joke with our because where I work right now, the athletic, we have an awful lot of people who um, who are very much into analytics, and uh, I always tease them. I, I said, you know, you're right. You know, Vegas was clearly the better team. I said, but there's one, you know, analytical statistic that I I always fall back on as somebody that's been at this 40 years, and they go, what are you talking about? And I go, the final score, because that's the bottom line, right? That's and, the one and that so, counts. But you can you can talk all you want about how Vegas probably did deserved uh, to to win because they were the better team, in, not just on paper, but I think also uh, in, in terms of puck possession, in, in terms of, of grade A chances, all those things that you can now measure in, in, in the game of hockey. But, but you know, at the end of the day, who cares, right? They, you know, the, the team that won was, was Dallas. And so, you know, so the, the next step for Vegas now is going to be sort of to, to look at the team that they've got and say, okay, what do we need to get over the top? And the answer may be nothing. You know, I, I know that a lot of people don't like to hear status quo, especially in the first couple of days when you're sort of pondering post-mortems, because, because you know, it's just easier to, to say change, 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 change. But I like a lot of those pieces in, in Vegas. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the problem, of course, is they are getting older, right? But you still have, you know, Mark Stone in his prime, Carlson in his prime, you know, Mark Chisot and Riley Smith are, are, are good players. You know, you hope that Max Pacioretty comes back and can duplicate the season he had this year because he's been a guy that's, you know, been been in and out at different times in his career, and he signed a big extension with them. Um, the the biggest biggest thing that they have to to sort out now going forward is their goaltending because I think that most people around the National Hockey League believe that they that they are planning to re-sign Robin Leonard, and so I think the numbers that I'm hearing are five years at five million and that will be the number that, that he gets. And they're they're like they're totally capped out right now. They're one of those teams that doesn't have a lot of, of, of wiggle room and so presumably, you know, they will have to be moving bodies out if they want to give him that contract. And one of them would be Marc Andre Fleury, who's got two years left at seven point two and I don't foresee any team in Who's the league taking take, that contract Eric. no no not unless you, you you take some of it back so so i think that that's you know and i guess i mean i guess a buyout is an option too because you can certainly spread that uh cap hit over four years if you if you do offer them a buyout that would be a dra- drastic step i think the first uh preference would be to trade him and then take a portion of that contract back like maybe you can get somebody to take 
Mark, two years of Mark Andre Fleury, if you take a quarter of it, because now you know, you know, now it's four, you know, what is it, three point six, four, four point eight. Um, two years of Mark Andre Fleury at four point eight. That may seem a bit more uh, palatable, especially if you're a team that needs uh, that, that needs another goaltender. But you know, there's going to be an awful lot of goaltenders looking for new homes in this off season, and so how that plays itself out, I think, will affect every other decision that Vegas makes going forward in the off season. We're chatting with Eric DeHatchuk, our NHL insider. It is Hockey Central at noon. Kelly Kirsch and Logan Gordon. We got a uh, contract extension in the NHL today, Eric. The Minnesota Wild and Jonas Brodeen coming to terms on a seven-year deal. Brodeen's kind of the unsung hero of the Minnesota back end. They're probably hiding from some people's view because of uh, Ryan Suter and all that he does in Minnesota. I, I saw that, uh, and I'm glad you brought it up because to me that that's a really interesting contract. Uh, it, it, I, I would I would say that uh, that Brodeen there's no discount there, and so I think when you when those of us are in this industry were looking at that how business would be transacted this summer, I thought there would be an across the board. Um, lower lower level of salary compensation, especially for players that are not at the you know, at the highest elite level. So I think that you know the Alex Petrangelo's and the, the Tory Crews and the Taylor Halls will probably find someone that will pay them you know what we previously labeled market value. But I but I put Brodine in that in that next category of player, real solid. Want him on my team no matter what. Uh, plays in your top four. Um, but, you know, it doesn't provide a lot of offense, you know, just kind of a steady Eddie, um, you know, every team wants a guy like that, but I, I think everybody wants a guy like that at a lower number. And this is not a lower number. You know, this is, this is, you know, this a significant amount of term and it's a significant amount of, of dollars. It's a, you know, $6 million average annual value. And, uh, and the contract doesn't even kick in until the start of 21, 21, 22. And so, um, you know, the, the, presumably they're anticipating that uh, that this, the NHL financial landscape will be improved. You know, which what is that? Twelve months from now, or or you know, eighteen months from now? I can't even calculate it. The season seems so jumbled to me right now. But uh, uh, but he's only 27, and so I, I guess they feel that that he has got seven years left. What it does create is is um, a, a, a complex issue when it comes to their protection list, because I think a lot of people felt like I was doing mock expansion draft several times and uh, felt that he might be a, a player that they would, they would lose to Seattle in the, uh, in the expansion draft because, you know, they've got Dumbo under contract and Suter of course has a, has a no move protection. So um, they, they could get into a situation there where, you know, somebody very good on that blue line is going to have to be exposed or they could, you know, simply protect four and four and go, go down that path. But I thought it was an interesting, Interesting uh, contract, and I wonder how many agents in the in the industry right now are going to point to that and say, "Okay, if that's the number for Brodine, that should be the number for our guy." And you know, the first player that comes to mind would be T.J. Brody. You know, like is is he a comparable to Brodine? Certainly, based on their previous compensation, he might be. And um, I just I certainly can't imagine that that Calgary would go. You know that you know, seven years, six million on uh, on T.J. Brody. So um, so it will be interesting to see if there, this particular signing has a ripple effect on all the other business that has to happen going forward in the NHL offseason. And uh, last one for you, Eric. A uh, big game tonight. It seems like it's flown by in in recent weeks, but 
Uh, we could have the Stanley Cup final all decided if a Tampa Bay uh, win happens tonight. What have you made of the last couple games of this series, and, and what are you kind of looking for tonight? It seems like we're on a collision course for Tampa Bay, Dallas, in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. And, and uh, you know, I, I wanted to remind Kelly that a year ago when we were drafting that fantasy pool that uh, that Boomer and Rhett always did, the team that I was helping pick, we picked five Tampas and five Dallas Stars. <laughs> too bad we couldn't grandfather just, that team because I think we would be catching a very large check <laughs> ah. The, the team we picked. So I hope I want Kelly to go back and look that up, and maybe we can talk about it on Thursday. I'll but, go find the tape. But 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 for sure, for, you know, for sure, uh, you know, it, it would be a compelling final. The only thing I would say is that you know that there is some question about the, the health of, of Braden Point, and uh, you know, and Stephen Stamkos has been reported as skating, but certainly that you know it doesn't appear as if a return is is imminent. So, uh, you know, like Tampa does, they they, they got they still got to win one more game against an Islanders team that's extremely resilient. And, 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 and may well say, you know, you know, they're a little bit wounded over there. So let's push and push and push. Because if, if the Islanders can win tonight and it's 3-2, you know, you start to maybe, you know, sow some seeds of doubt in, in the minds of, of the Tampa players. So I'm sure the message from, from Lightning coach John Cooper is let's get this done now because we don't want to give them life. The one thing about the Islanders is that they push and push and push right to the end. And so I don't think they're going to go down easily. And so we'll see, you know, if, if Tampa can, can mount the challenge. I mean, Tampa is going to look a lot more like the Islanders usually do in terms of, of the, the personnel at, at their disposal. They still have enough there to win, but, uh, but tonight I think is a coin flip because I don't think the Islanders are going to go down very easily. Hells is my mic is on. Eric, thanks for uh, joining us today. We'll talk again on Thursday, and we might, uh, might have a Stanley Cup final preview to chat about, so we'll see. You All never right. know. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. There we go. Eric DeHatchek right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Coming up at 1 o'clock, it's the arrival of Peter Klein. A um, couple other things to kind of pass your way. I guess we should uh, – is it is it one nothing in that soccer game? Am I reading that right, uh, Logan? We're uh, uh, Cavalry and Forge. I think it's one nothing. right? I believe so. That was the okay. latest I've seen. We will uh, we'll get you updated on that on the old uh, trending now coming up at 1 o'clock. And uh, a few other surprises as well as we put a, a nice bow on the muddy Hockey Central for Tuesday. Next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon making way for Peter Klein in our number one of the big show. We got Pat Steinberg in at two and some hockey for you at six as we see if Tampa Bay can get to the Stanley Cup final. Join the Dallas Stars. We'll uh, hook up with the guys, uh, Brendan Batchelor, and I think Corey Hirsch is back. That'll be coming up. Uh, looking forward to that at six o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. And don't forget on Friday, your chance to uh, listen during Hockey Central for the, Bicar- for the Bacardi spiciest moment of the week. Could be a hit, could be a big play-by-play call, could be a goal, something like that, or just could be somebody just mouthing off doing their thing or somebody really poignant. You never know. It's, it's been a few different ones so far. The spiciest moment uh, we'll also send out on our uh, social media channel so you can go and, and have a look-see uh, that way. It makes it takes a real captain to make a bold choice. Made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi Spiced for your next home game. That is coming up. Spiciest moment of the week on Friday. We'll take a break. And what does Peter Klein have for our one of the Big Show logo? 
Uh, we will talk to our usual Monday regular Ryan Pike on a Tuesday. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, some fantasy football with uh, Chris Harris coming up. Well, we have uh, we have some news from from Flames, obviously, with the uh, the head coach being uh, inked to a new deal. So that's kind of cool for Jeff Ward. So we'll talk to Pike about that and a whole bunch more as we get ready for the big show. It's next on Sportsnet 960.